Hello and welcome to this bonus Masters Clubhouse podcast, where we'll be hearing from our man in Augusta, as well as loads of big names, including Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Francesco Molinari and Matt Wallace. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is a special uh, version of the of the podcast. Uh, my name's Tom Clark, and as ever, I am joined by Elliot Heath. Hi, Elliot. How Hello, you Tom. Are you all right? Yeah, all good, all good. A bit and tired? I am a little bit tired. I've been working quite late, obviously, because uh, there's been all the uh, the pre uh, tournament stuff been going on with Augusta, which means a few late nights, but all great fun and games. And the reason why we're doing this podcast is that we've got loads of great audio from uh, some of the best and biggest names in the world of golf who've obviously been chatting before they've teed off uh, for round one and but there's been some really good insight hasn't there from people not just about Augusta about other things great insight yeah I think it's because everyone goes to the Masters don't they so everyone everyone in terms of journalists everyone wants to know everything about all the players not just how do you feel about the course or what your preparation's like because this might be the only golf tournament they ever get to go to in the year, so they want to know cool stuff. And yeah, you know. and there's been some um, people. Some of the players really opened up about a few bits and pieces. Uh, Rory talking about his meditation, which we'll obviously hear from later on, was something that I don't think any of us knew about. Uh, and also, you know, saying that he missed a specific tour player, uh, which I won't uh, give away as well. Um, but there's also been great stuff already. Matt Wallace won the Pathway tournament last night. Tiger's been chatting, so it's been great stuff. But before we start with anything, let's hear from our man in Augusta, David Taylor, who's out on the ground at the Augusta National for the first time. His first time uh, at the Masters, and uh, he's done a bit of audio about what it's been like his first at the US Masters. Hello from Augusta, or to be more precise, from the car park of the Media Centre uh, here at Augusta. I'm just about to head home after my second day here. I have to say, I've, it's more than lived up to expectations so far. Having arrived very early yesterday morning, I think jet lag uh, was a factor in that. I got here and things were looked pretty miserable, to be fair. It was uh, overcast and uh, a lot of rain in the air. I got to the media centre set up, uh, had a bit of breakfast and then headed out and wanted to get on the course and uh, and see what the place was all about. But uh, no, as soon as I do that, the course was closed for thunderstorms and I had to head straight back in. But uh, so after that full start, I was, uh, you know, I was chomping at the bit to get out there and uh, see what it's all about. And um, once I finally did and things cleared up yesterday afternoon, it was, uh, you know, an absolutely tremendous experience. I decided to wander sort of the first nine holes and just see what I'd stumbled across really. First impressions are it's pretty wet out there has to be said. I heard Michael Greller, Jordan Spieth's caddy saying it was the wettest he's, he'd ever seen it uh, and he's been here a few years now and it's looking you know we had a great great weather today but uh, it's looking for a, a lot more rain forecast over the next few days so that's going to play a factor in the uh, in the outcome of the tournament. It's going to be a lot softer out there. Greens are going to be a bit more receptive than usual. So, you know, we'll have to see who that favours. But, yeah, it did uh, lead to, you know, sort of Glastonbury-style situation yesterday with people slipping up all over the place. And, uh, you know, it was a bit more civilised than, than Glastonbury. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot, lot of uh, 
muddy trousers about and uh, it was pretty hazardous conditions in places but I don't think that dampened many people's spirits it was um, you know you, you look around it's packed packed days on the Tuesday and Wednesday you know a lot of people in to see the practice days and yeah everyone sort of wandering around with a fixed grin on their face you can't quite believe they're here it's just uh, the course itself is obviously immaculate but it's everything everything that surrounds it it's the facilities it's you know just the upkeep the attention to detail the staff everything just makes you feel very special when you come here and um yeah i, I mean i was wondering around the back of the 13th green yesterday and it felt you know felt like i was in a sort of botanical gardens it was um it was just an area between between a few of the holes you know it's pretty crowded but uh, apart from that you know it was, it's absolutely beautiful stunning wherever you look onto the golf i got out to see quite a bit of it today I managed to follow uh, matt fitzpatrick and eddie pepperell this morning actually um caught up with them quite early on and followed them down from the 10th down for four holes i say down on the 10th that really is when i mean you hear the cliche of you know not the undulations taking everyone by surprise here but uh, that 10th downhill is very extreme and you know it doesn't really do it justice on the tv that's can be said for quite a few of the holes but yeah followed uh the two of them for a bit and i have to say fitzpatrick looked in great form this morning he was striking the ball really well stiffed it on 12 to about two feet and yeah his iron play was uh was really good so if you've got a few quid on him that's uh, that's good news also managed to follow dustin johnson and brooks kepka for a couple of holes and saw them on 16 saw kepka stick his first straight in the water follow that up by sticking his second straight in the hole uh, which was a decent way to make a three uh, and obviously the, uh, the crowd absolutely loved that one then this afternoon it was the par three contest which was another pretty surreal experience has to be said uh, it's an uh, area just over the back of the 10th actually which is so compact obviously it's a pretty small course but it did take me by surprise for how short some of the holes were um, and you know the crowds are huge uh, up on the banks there and you get to sit I mean I saw Jack Nicholas uh, teeing off alongside Tom Watson and Gary Player and behind them you had Jordan Spieth hitting into the the green behind um, and you're all you know this, this is uh, just a few feet away and the crowd are really getting involved the players are you know chatting to the crowd it's all very relaxed and you think this is the the day before a major championship starts it's uh yeah it's it was really good to see but you can definitely sense the mood changes a little bit once the par three competition is out of the way uh things get a little bit more serious now i'm hoping to get here pretty early tomorrow to see the honorary starters get things underway and follow that with uh i think we've got tiger ting off at 11 followed by i think rory's in the next group after that so there's going to be plenty of good golf tomorrow i just uh, hope the rain stays away for the next few days and the weather's carries on like this uh, and hopefully it should be a cracking tournament so there was our man david taylor over in augusta the weather forecast does sound a little bit dodgy there's chat about a monday finish isn't there Elliot? there is yeah that would be quite a worry like dave there mentioning the word Glastonbury that does sound a little bit dodgy but uh, yeah there's lightning forecast as well yeah I mean that and that is the thing which will obviously will put it off I think they've it was quite it looked glorious last night at the, for the par 3 tournament so um, I think the course will be able to take a bit of rain it's just whether if there's lightning about or something like that um, there hasn't who won the last Monday finish at the US Masters I watched this on TV uh, it was 1983 wasn't it Something like that. Uh, it was who? 
I don't know. Seve Ballesteros. Oh, of course. I wrote a story on it yesterday. <laughs> oh, it's been such a long week. If we'd already. had a quiz, I would have been 1 0 up. But um, yeah, so whether there will be a Monday finish or not, we don't know. But um, we'll have a, have a look at that. But sounds like he's having a great time. And it is, I know, Elliot, you haven't been. I know I have been, and I've given going on about it. But it's such a nice workplace for journalists to go to. They really do look after you. And um, I'm sure Dave's having a whale of a time. Um, hopefully, he's not just keep. You know, spending his evenings just in Hooters, eating lots of chicken wings, which is what I would have done. So, uh, you know, yeah, great stuff. And I'm sure he can't wait for the golf to start. But yeah, on the weather, sorry to butt in there. That's all right. Um, I was talking about chicken wings and Hooters, so it's fair enough. They've got that uh, sub-air system, don't they? So, yeah, as long as the lightning isn't too prominent, the course should still be playing Yeah, so the sub-air well. sub system is... Uh, is um, machinery underneath each green and when it gets turned on you can really hear it. it's like a massive hoover Ian Poulter was interviewed about it last night and he was saying how they seem to have it on full they're getting it out as much moisture as possible because they know if there's too much rain what the two things happen the course gets plays a bit longer um, which is fine for most of the, the big hitters but also, if the greens get a bit softer, it means they can really tack the pins and means the scoring might be a little bit lower than they, they want. So they just try and suck the moisture out. It's, I don't know, it's incredible that they're able to do this. Uh, there's not many places around the world which have this system. So um, Can you name the UK and Ireland courses it's, with sub-air uh, systems? It's, um, yes, is it Dare Manor? A Dare Manor, yeah. There you go, but is that, that was the question, wasn't it? Uh, Wentworth has it as well. Oh, there you go. Uh, Glen Eagles, I believe, and possibly Great sub somewhere air. else. Knowledge. Yeah, they're, they're, it's like a moisture controller, isn't it? Like yeah, it gets, it, yeah, it gets the, it quite literally sucks the water out of the greens, so it means that they not too soft. They can get them kind of at the speed still, even though that there's a lot of rain about. So uh, we'll have to wait and see about the weather. Uh, could make it interesting. We'll wait and see. Uh, but let's hear from a big name. Now, one of the biggest names and the big favourite for the event uh, is, of course, Rory McIlroy. And he's been playing really well this season. And we think, oh, you know, he's just got his swinging, you know, really good position. He's got a new putter. He's been working with Brad Faxon when he's putting. But he also then, at his press conference, revealed a few other bits and pieces about his game. So here's a bit of audio from Rory McIlroy about his preparations for the Masters and uh, why he's playing so well at the moment. You know, I alluded, I alluded to it at the players a little bit as well, that my... You know, it's not you, like you still want to win. It's not, but there's there's ways to do it, that, and there's mechanisms that you can put in place that that help you achieve your goals. Um, that aren't just about the result. It's about the process of getting to that point. Um, so it's not as if I'm coming here not to try and win the golf tournament. But I know if I have the right attitude and I I have my goals that I want to achieve this year. The byproduct, you know, could be winning this golf tournament. Um, but yeah, I think the the big thing is my. I am not my score. I am not my results. I you know that's been a that's been one of my big things, and that's you know it's perspective, um, it's perception. You know, I, I always talk about these these P's that I try to practice and. Um, it is, you know, it's, I think I've, I've had a healthy dose of perspective this year and, and that's, and that's helped either with you know, great results like the players or undesirable results of, you know, not being able to finish a tournament off, you know, being able to put both of those things in perspective have been a good thing. 
I guess I, I've dabbled in it over the years, and, and I've I've needed it from time to time, but I never fully immersed myself in it. Um, you know, even last year, I dabbled with meditation. Um, but until I, I found, and again, it's, it's searching until you find what resonates with you and, you know, maybe what resonates with me isn't going to resonate with someone else, but I've found what I feel is the, the best path forward for me and, and I've committed to it and, um, you know, it's still so early in the process. I mean, I'm, I'm only a few months into, to trying to get to a point where all the thoughts that I try to have and all the peas that I try to practice are, are natural and subconscious. And so, you know, very early stages, but I just felt for me to, to, to live a healthier life and, 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 you know, not just with my career, but away from the golf course as well. I needed to, I need, I just needed some of this. I needed some perspective and I needed to, to separate the, the sort of two lives that I have. So Elliot, are you going to be meditating for 20 minutes in the morning before you come into the office uh, on the back of Roy McIlroy's advice? I might be doing it before my golf, yeah. It does sound like it's working. Uh, he does sound a little bit loopy, but then, you know, he's reading all these self-help books, he's meditating, uh, he's very happy, so yeah. it's got to be good, hasn't it? I don't know if, if he sounds loopy, I think he's just... I think it's good that Roy is trying everything to be as good as he can be. So I think, you know, there's the meditation is one side of it. And if we look back at last year when he was in the final round, everyone thought, oh, he's looking really confident on that first tee. He was looking more confident than Patrick Reed. And actually, if you hear stuff from Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed has said that he was very, very nervous on that first tee. But him and his caddy said, like, come on, we're just going to get on with this. And Roy looked really confident. Go, oh, here we go. Roy's going to win the Masters. And he hit this horrendous drive, I don't know if you remember, which was like a, a, a skied slice which ended up in the trees on the right hand side. And from that moment his game just was not right in that in that in that round. So maybe that's this meditation he's seen that he goes, Well how can I be better mentally for these you know, these big final rounds that are gonna be about. Yeah, on that tee shot you said that he hit um he said in his press conference as well that he was hitting everything left on the driving range and then got up to the first tee and did that, which obviously impacted his mind but yeah he's really um conscious that he was not mentally strong enough in the past and we've said it haven't we loads of times his putting's not good enough he gives up on himself he's not gritty enough but he definitely is now or definitely should be now. yeah i think but i think the big thing is having someone like Faxon suddenly helping out with his putting someone helping out with his putting maybe someone just slightly different Faxon was obviously a great putter, but you can be a great putter doesn't mean you're a good teacher. So um, that's something he's also identified as a weakness, and he's trying to get it sorted out. And the results are, you know, speak for themselves. He's having a fantastic year. Won the players, of course, as well. So um, I think, Elliot, I might actually try and you know send you off to Nepal and uh, to to be with some monks for a couple of months. Yeah, that might make quite a good feature. <laughs> um, just to get you out of my hair for a couple of months. But yeah, Faxon, obviously, he's doing a lot more than just putting. They're, they're almost like best buddies now, going for coffees and having these chats that aren't even related to golf. Yeah. And then continuing with that, he's also started working with a performance coach, mm-hmm. Dr. Clayton Skaggs, I believe. Yes. And we've seen what working with a performance coach did with Molinari, who worked with Dave Allred, and I think Donald worked with Dave Ward as well. And Keimer was working with Fanny Sunderson on that sort of aspect of his game yeah. as well when he got to world number one. Um, so that yeah. really he, could he, be He really piece. sounds like he's in a great place. And 
I know this podcast trips, you know, if you triple the first, we're going to look very silly, but <laughs> I really think Rory's in a great place. Maybe if he wins this weekend or not, he's in yeah. a great place to have a good, a good year. Uh, but he had some other things to chat about as well. He talked about uh, his caddy, Augusta, and some of their policies, and also a tour pro that he wished was still on tour, who's kind of been missing recently. I guess he shot 65 with a might a, a double and or a couple of bogeys or something. Um, yeah, I you know I miss Anthony Kim. He was he, I think the tour was a better place with him in it. He was exciting. Uh, you know, the first time I won on tour at Quail Hollow, I played the final round with him. Um, but yeah, I, I remember quite a lot about that round. It was you know I, I'm, again you're trying to focus on what you're doing, but you can't help but notice. This guy's going on a bit of a run here, um, and he could do that. You know, that was that was something that was pretty cool. You saw him at the Ryder Cup of Valhalla in a way, doing what he did, and um, yeah, it, it was it was cool to be a part of. It was cool to see, and um, it's good to know that it can be done. You know, when when I asked Harry to to sort of caddy for me, I I thought it was going to be a temporary role um, back in August 2017. But he has done a wonderful job, and I think one of the great things about the relationship with Harry and I is we're very close. We've been close for a long time. You know, he was best man at my wedding. I was best man at his. Um, but over the course of the last eight or nine months, he has been he has been with me every step of the way on this journey of getting to this point where I'm almost you know making more time to practice my mindset rather than to be on the range. You know, so and I, he's been with me and he's been congruent to that idea. And that's been a big help as well because he's bought into it and, and he is a very calming presence out there. Um, and we really do feel like a team when, when we are out there trying to, trying to shoot good scores and, and win golf tournaments. Oh, I mean, I, you know, playing a practice round yesterday, I said to Harry out there, how good is it people aren't looking at their phones? And yes, there's people with cameras, but they're not constantly, they don't constantly have their face in the device. It's it's refreshing, uh, and I think other not other walks of life, but there's you know there's something to be said for that, and I think people can learn from that. Actually, a book I'm reading at the minute called Digital uh, Minimalism by Cal Newport, and that, that goes into all of that and, and how devices are. There are obviously so many wonderful things about them, but if if only used in the right way. So I think it's cool to to see that and, and to see that Augusta has upheld that tradition, I think it's a it's a great thing. So really, a few more things there. Firstly, Anthony Kim, do you, I know you're very young, you're, you can only remember about four months ago, <laughs> but Anthony Kim, he he's a miss, he was a fantastic player on tour, wasn't he? Yeah, I miss Anthony Kim. He's probably still a phenomenal golfer now, but rumour has it that he can't ever play a professional event again because of some insurance claim, yeah. isn't there's, it? there's lots of rumours out, we don't really know, do we? But, uh, you know, it's amazing how Rory's just come up with a couple of stories I wish we never actually really thought about before. And Kim was a you know, very, very talented young golfer and obviously inspired USA to Ryder Cup success as well. So and what Rory was talking about, Kim, there was when he had that round where he shot 11 birdies in one round, which is just phenomenal, isn't it? I think that's yeah. still a record for Augusta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, yeah, actually Kim, a different different class, you know, he... He should have won multiple majors, you would think. Really, uh, he's, he's he's similar to, you know, 
Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, that that kind who come through after obviously after him, and um, you know a, a young prodigy. And yeah, it's a shame he's not on tour anymore. What else do you think about him talking about Harry Diamond, his caddy? Because uh, I know you have you have in the past thought that Roy actually needs to change caddies and go with someone who's more of a professional caddy, not just a friend. I'm glad you said that. Because I think I've now changed my mind and I owe Rory McIlroy an apology. What about, I think you probably apologise to Harry Diamond more than Rory McIlroy. Uh, you were telling Rory to sack Harry Diamond. Yeah. Apologise to Harry Diamond immediately. Harry Diamond, I'm very sorry if you're listening <laughs> to this. Um, but yeah, I think Rory's head is now in the game. So perhaps his caddy is no, no longer as important. Yeah. I think it's, as long as he's able to give a yardage and to be able to be frank with Rory in certain situations. We've seen already this year uh, John Rahm and his caddy, yeah, where John Rahm uh, didn't take the advice of a caddy and, uh, at the players and hit a ridiculous shot, which cost him probably you know, his chance of really going for the tournament in the last few holes. As long as he's actually you know, works with Rory as Rory wants, then that's fine in my opinion. And also, as long as he can give a yardage, because that is really what a caddy is supposed to do. Yeah, after Bay Hill last... Sorry, after the players, um, McElroy said that Diamond is perhaps the best caddy on tour. I did a story on that. Yeah. Um, they're really good quotes saying how Diamond's not just like his best mate, he is like really a top caddy. Yeah, which is, which is good. And that's, I think, all we're, all we're right. You know, when, when Roy is playing badly, I think we're looking at so many different reasons for that. Because Harry Diamond hadn't caddied for anyone else before on tour, um, that was an easy, easy target. So whether he will have a major under his belt as well we'll have to wait and see uh, but there's already been success for someone from the United Kingdom with Matt Wallace beating Sandy Lyle in a playoff for the Par 3 tournament and here's a bit of chat from Matt Wallace saying how it actually turned into something pretty serious in the end Matt congratulations tomorrow you'll tee off in your first Masters tournament and I'm pretty sure you're well aware of the jinx. No par three contest winner has ever won the Masters. Was that in your mind at all as you went to the last tee, knowing that you were tied for the lead with Sandy Lyle? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to hold that putt on the last, and I didn't, and then went to the playoff. It got a little bit more serious than how, we, how the nine holes went, and uh, and I guess I just I wanted to win this. I want to I want to break history somewhere. Well, there are many players in the past who have said somebody's going to do it sooner or later, so it might as well be you. Obviously, the highlight of your round, I'm sure, with help from your caddy and girlfriend, Chelsea Jost, was the Hold'em 1 at 8. Yeah, she called a great number. Um, <laughs> she was like, come on, this might as well just hold this one. And uh, Eddie Pepper, who we were playing with, was like, this is perfect for you. You've got a great pull in your locker. So I hit it straight at the flag and pulled it, and it went in. So it was a, it was a fun moment for us, and uh, very happy to do it here. You made an interesting comment. You know, Sandy Lyles won the Masters. He's won the par three twice before. We thought he won today because there was a bit of a discrepancy in the scoring that got sorted out. You said you were aware that you were tied for the lead when you got to the last hole. But uh, you talked about how it changed. How did the atmosphere change once you went to the playoff? I don't know. I don't know if it was uh, if it was Sandy or the way that we uh, the way that we went into it. Um, we got up there and everything kind of mellow out and. And uh, it was a little bit more serious than how we went about it in, the, with, in our group. So, um, but that's we, we Chelsea and I had fun out there and in the playoff. And what we said was we we're going to try and hit it close as possible and get it over and done with, so we didn't have to walk up those stairs again. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Matt Wallace is obviously not scared of any curses of Augusta and uh, that, that anyone who's who's won the Par 3 tournament has not gone on to win the full tournament. Uh, but he just wants to win everything, doesn't he? He does, but yeah, as you know, as the betting tipster, rookies don't win at Augusta. So he knew he had no chance of winning anyway, so that's obviously I, why he took it very seriously. I hadn't, I hadn't actually thought about that, and I think that is such a good point, actually. Oh, thank you. And Wallace actually... There's a few people obviously muck about with the Par 3 tournament, and some people don't like the Par 3 tournament, some people love the Par 3 tournament, and some people don't take it very seriously. But he just, I think, he just went out there and played his golf, didn't he? He, did, he wasn't trying to take it too seriously, he wasn't trying to take it too relaxed. He was just going out there and enjoying himself playing golf, which is surely what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, made a hole in one as well, so it's quite nice. But I do find it funny that it turned really serious for the playoff, because obviously... Sandy Lyle knows that he's not going to win the Masters as well, so to take home the Par 3 contest trophy would be quite nice. So and here's a question for you. How many times them. has Sandy Lyle won the Par 3 tournament? Do you know? No. He's won it twice before. Has he? And here's another question for you. Who's won the Par 3 tournament the most? Oh, God. Oh. So I'm really, I'm really giving you tough questions. Kirk Triplett. No, Patrick Harrington. Really? Harrington's won it three times. Wow. Again, it's having to another person who actually, he, you always think he just wants to try and win everything as well. <laughs> yeah. So I think Lyle probably, but you're right, because Lyle's not going to win the Masters. He knows that. He's already won the Masters. Well done to him. So he, you know, he, he doesn't really compete and have a chance of winning that many tournaments a year. So fair play to both of them. Two Brits as well. Go out there trying to, you know, do it, do as best they can. There's 20,000 people around the, around the course, wasn't there? So uh, Also, Sandy Lyle... However old he is, 63, or that's a complete guess. Um, around, <laughs> around the Masters Par 3 contest, on telly, with 20,000 people around there, he just goes and knocks around in six under par. That is amazing. I think he knocks around in five under par, actually. But, uh, oh, is that what the scoring issue was all about? Uh, no, he, well, no, it, Matt Wallace had the scoring issue. So oh. that, yeah, they thought, they thought that Matt Wallace was on three under playing the final hole. So on Sky, they said he needs to hold his tee shot. He didn't hold his tee shot, so they went off and started uh, showing, you know, masterclasses from Ian Poulter, <laughs> when actually he needed a birdie to tie with Sandy Lyle. Anyway, oh. yeah, and, and also, some, I thought it was quite good that they went to a playoff, because they don't always go to a playoff, sometimes they just say, oh, should we just share it? So, uh, yeah, but the Part 3 tournament, I love it, it's a great, you know, appetiser for the, for the Masters, you get to see some of the big old names, you get to see some of the best players in the world of golf having a bit more relaxed uh, you see all their families you see the kids mucking about and it's just a joyous bit of golf isn't it Elliot? Yeah it's fine but not on the day before the Masters come on really? When, when, should, when should they play it then? Monday Monday when the Monday be before Monday before what two weeks two weeks before well I, I don't there's always going to be a day before the Masters yeah the Masters is a four day tournament unless it's raining and they have to put it to Monday. There will always be a Wednesday night before the Masters. I know people are itching to see the, 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 course, the course and everything like that, but I think it's great tradition. And I think if you're there and it's glorious sunshine and you're seeing all these good legends of the game playing golf, you know, I think it's a fantastic thing to, to, to watch, really. Whether they need to turn it into a tournament or you know, have it as... You know, you've got the very relaxed bit down one end and there's obviously some people who are actually trying to win it down the other end. Maybe that's something that they can try and maybe address. But um, I, d I don't think there's an issue with it. 
No, there's probably not an issue with it, but if I wasn't a golf writer, I, I wouldn't be watching it. Fine, fine. And, um, yeah, fair, fair point. I think it is one of those things which actually some people do love to watch it, or at least watch some of the highlights of it. Um, some others can care less, but um, oh well. But anyway, let's let's move on from the Par 3 tournament and talk to another uh, European player who's got a great chance of having a fantastic year, uh, who had a fantastic year last year, and that's Francesco Molinari. And he talks about, in his press conference, about being the spearhead of Italian golf and also a bit about how he's had to add distance to his game to be able to compete at the top of the, the world. Yeah, I think fortunately golf is starting to be, you know, very different now to, to where it was when I was growing up and, and dreaming of, of just purely being here one time and, and playing in, in one major would have been already a, a dream coming true. So fortunately I had the, the role model of, of Costantino Rafael that was doing great and, and was playing Ryder Cups and, and doing well in majors and so obviously that gives you hope that uh, it's doable even if you if you come from a small golfing country like Italy was at the time. So uh, I think now the situation is a lot better. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm helping a little bit with getting uh, golf in, in the news and, and uh, hopefully you know, kids will, will see more and more about me and, and about golf in general and, and pick up the game and and there's, there's going to be more Italians in, in future. We were just saying, you know, it was nice to see. I think there was four or five Italian girls playing on, on Saturday uh, and one fin- Caterina finished the tight 12. So they're showing progress because a few years ago, I don't think that would have happened, uh, in, you know, with Italian golf. Uh, but I think that's one of the things that motivated me a few years ago to to work harder and to look at uh, ways to, to get better. Uh, I remember when we played the Open at uh, Royal Liverpool on the Saturday, I played in the last round with Rory and, uh, and Dustin. On, I think it was the third round, yeah. Uh, and I... I just didn't have a chance, you know, I could play as well as I wanted, but I didn't stand a chance. So that was, I think, a big turning point for me. And, you know, it's all about perspective and how you take things. I I took it like if I want to keep doing this job and and do it at a high level, I need to work as hard as I can and and see if I can get closer to, to those guys. So what that did for me is that now when I go out, you know, I play with uh, Brooks or Dustin or Rory or whoever you you can name, and I'm not really intimidated because I feel like I can I can compete with them even if I'm not hitting the ball 370 yards. I'm I'm hitting it long enough to to be competitive and to use my my strengths to get good performances in. So some really interesting quotes there from Molinari. I know, Elliot, you were very interested in Molinari saying how he'd try to hit the ball a bit further. You are one golfer who struggles to hit the ball very far, aren't you? So you, you really you know, connected with him over that, I think. I you? hope the audience know that I actually hit it about 25 yards longer than you. Uh, but, um, behave. Anyway. If I'm using my putter. <laughs> you, you're driving like 235 yards on yeah, a good you, one. You, um, anyway... 
yeah, that was long drive tournament coming up soon. <laughs> uh, that was fascinating from from uh, Molinari. Obviously, he hasn't said I need to start hitting the ball three hundred fifty yards, but to say that I could play my best with Dustin and Rory, and I said no chance at that level is quite honest and fascinating really yeah so you think about other golfers that hit the ball short like Graham McDowell I know he just won at the weekend or last week um, but it does show you that and Luke, could... Luke Donald as well I think is another golfer yeah. you probably need to put in that bracket who you know they when their game was on it they were really good and they were very very consistent golfers but as Donald showed he never won a major and I think his lack of distance didn't help him in that because he's coming into greens with with much uh, you know longer longer irons, and especially Augusta. If we're going to take Augusta as an example, where you need to really have some height onto shots, you know, to take out some of the slopes, be able to get the ball to stop them closer to the pin. Simple as that, really. Um, I think it's amazing that Mon and I really has said, you know, I hit it. He hit it far. He hit it fine. I mean, he he's known as an incredible ball striker. Um, but actually he said no I can improve and that's usually the guys who go on to the next level you know the guys who are in the top 50 in the world some of them stay there don't try and actually improve the game any further but it's the guys who keep working to try and improve and improve are the ones that make the majors and make the top 10s in the world yeah in 2012 I think he averaged like 274 off the tee on the PGA Tour last year he averaged 301 yards that's a big difference which was the first time he'd ever broken that 300 yard barrier yeah um so yeah, he's working with a performance coach, like I said, major winner, just like McElroy, I think Molinari. Well, he, had, he had the best year last year, didn't he, really? Uh, along with Kepka. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Molinari won the Open, won the PM, BMW PGA, won on PGA. Quicken Loans. Quicken Loans, and then won five, first player to ever win five. And the race to Dubai. And the race to I mean... What a year. And the BBC World Sports Star Award and the European Tour Player of the Year, the yeah. Golf Writers I mean, Award. He had yeah. an incredible, incredible year. Phenomenal. You, I don't think any of us would have picked that the year before that. He was playing pretty well, but I don't think we have thought he was going to have that good a year. So he's doing, he's doing great. And I, again, I hope he has a, a, a great week and a great year. Um, but let's then move on to the big name, the one that we all wanted to hear from, and that's, of course, Tiger Woods. He's asked lots and lots of questions, but mainly... Does he need to win the Masters this year? Well, I don't really need to win again. Uh, I really want to. You know, there are a couple events that over the course of my career, major championship-wise, I needed to win. One, you know, don't blow the lead I had in 97 and uh, because of what just happened the previous year. Uh, Greg lost a six-shot lead. And... Uh, I didn't want to lose a nine-shot lead, so uh, I was able to win that one. And then to win here in 01 to complete all four in a row, uh, that's never been done. And so I don't know how many more chances I'm ever going to get to do that again. Um, probably not many, if at all, ever again in my career. And the build-up going into that event, I mean, it's nine months of just getting asked the same question. And uh, to pull it off like that was that one, yeah, I needed to win that one to get all four. So, Elliot, everybody on the podcast, everybody knows that you're a massive Tiger Woods fan, and <laughs> we all want him to do very well this week. Um, whether he wins it or not, of course, we don't know. Um, 
but he has a chance to compete now, especially now that he's won a PJ Tour to, Tour event again. Obviously, the Tour Championship last year. And I thought it was really interesting that actually he only picked two majors that he actually really needed to win. You know, that 1997 one, his first one. Uh, people forget, obviously, it was a year after after Faldo uh, beat Norman after Norman's huge collapse, and Tiger was way ahead of everybody going to that final round. Um, and everyone, I think, were, was expecting him to come back to the field a bit, but of course he didn't. He went away with it. And then, of course, that other the other the other win was the 2002 uh, Masters, where he completed the Tiger Slam. But if he was to win this week, Elliot, or to win another major this year, would that eclipse everything that he's done before? That's very hard to say because what he's done before is incredible. But probably, yeah. I think he kind of does need to win another one. I know he doesn't want to and he's happy with his kids and all that, but surely a man of Tiger Woods' stature with that mental game and that winning mentality just needs to win another major. And I think he's always been driven to try and beat Jack because his record. I think that's a target that him and his dad set a long, long time ago. And I think he still has that in the back of his mind. Of course. And he, he, could, he could do it still. Strangely, incredibly, that he really, really could still do it. Um, if he has a good year and a few of the other guys just don't get it done, then um, he could easily pick up one or two majors for the next four or five years, you would think, if he stays fit. So we'll have to wait and see, but great, you know, it's great to be even chatting about it, isn't it? I know, it's, it's brilliant. No, not really many people in that field this week know the golf course as well as he does what do you think is Tiger's best ever major win out of the 14 can you remember any because you, again you, you're, you're so young no probably 05 was the first one I remember at um, St Andrews when he beat Monty well, he, was he, quite, beat, he beat everyone he's I mean, quite far ahead Monty finished second but he was a long way back probably uh, 2000 US Open sticks out doesn't it winning by 15 yeah or Pebble Beach also in 1990 where, where is the US Open this year Elliot uh, it's at Pebble Beach. Wow. Um, Can you imagine? Also, 1997 at the Masters, Woods came in as the reigning US amateur champion. So that is like Victor Hovland this week winning by 12. You really have got a thing for Victor Hovland this, this week, no. haven't you? If, he goes on, if Victor Hovland wins the Masters, then fair play. Uh, uh, do you know what? I think he might do well, actually. So uh, Another amateur to very well in the path we got holding one was Devin Bling. Yes. So some of the amateurs always shine because it's such a small field this week. Only 80... Six players, 87 players. So, uh, you know, some of them could do well. Elliot, what is going to be your final thoughts before start the Masters and people can be listening to this whilst the Masters is going on? Tiger, Rory, Molinari, Casey. You're just listing names. I, <laughs> that's why I haven't had any bets this week because I can make a case for everyone. Yeah. But that's why it's so exciting. Exactly. It really is exciting and hopefully... It'll be finished Sunday evening. If not, yeah. we could be talking about a Monday finish again. But we're, hopefully the weather will abate and all the thunderstorms will uh, will miss Augusta. And just remind the listeners who you're backing this week on the betting tips. On my betting tips. So See if they've missed the exactly, cut. Yeah, yeah they, they may have missed the cut by the time they listen to this. Ricky Fowler, Matt Kuchar, uh I can't remember, Adam Scott. Matt Fitzpatrick, wasn't Matt it? Matt Fitzpatrick. Who David Taylor said was playing very well in practice. And I think Fitzpatrick... You know, 80 to 1, Billy Foster on the bag. I think he'll do well. But, uh, well, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to our little special podcast and hearing from some of the best players in the world. 
Uh, we'll be back next week with a review of Augusta and the Masters and finally if any of my tips actually won or if they all finished second again. Until then, make sure you rate us if you listen to us on iTunes and you subscribe to the podcast via all the usual podcast providers. And also do check out our social media channels because you're going to have loads and loads of stuff on Masters and Augusta and the rest of the world of golf. At Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram, um, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. But until next week, Elliot, thanks for chatting. Thanks, Tom. Uh, listeners, enjoy the Masters. Sit back, sip on your beer, and just enjoy. Well, wise words earlier. And uh, I think they're pretty good. So uh, Sip yeah. on your beers responsibly, of course. It, well, quite. Uh, until next week, see you later. Bye.